0: Hi, this is Spider-Man, and I'd love to stick around and listen to amazing spider talk, but Madam Web just told me Doc Ock is about to kidnap Mary Jane Watson. And, well, a spider's
1: got to do what a spider's got to do. Too many who know the angles,
0: uncover and untangle, all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. Be in 1962, or last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. The
1: amazing spider of the amazing.
0: Hello and welcome to The Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com.
1: And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the founder of The Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk.
0: We're back after a short break uh, for (laughs) the 26th episode of our coverage of Volume 4 of Amazing Spider-Man. We hope you all enjoyed this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture.
1: Yeah, Dan, I was out of town last weekend, so we didn't get to recording, so you can blame me, everyone, for having a week off. Um, But now that we're back... Uh, for this episode, we will be discussing Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 4, Number 26, by Dan Slott, Stuart Immonen, And then we'll read some comments and emails, give away some prizes, and discuss a fair amount of Spider-News that's fit to print. We take a week off, Dan, and all hell breaks loose.
0: Well, let's get right to it. Our discussion of Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 4, Number 26. What's new-
1: dan well here we are this is part two of the osborne legacy it's uh uh we kind of get some fallout from what happened with the attempted assassination of uh norman osborne in the first part of the storyline and the uh reveal of silver sable and her return to the land of the living which i mean talk about shockers because you know when someone dies in a comic dan they never come back, right? Especially when a
0: week after they they die, it's teased that they're not dead.
1: Right, exactly. And 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 like Silver Sable is such like a a landmark character that, you know, they would never play games with her living or dying, right?
0: I mean, we're being snarky, but it was nice to see Silver Sable back.
1: Yeah, she's back. She's back, and with 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 a back a little bit of a backstory to it now here as well. I don't know if it's a backstory to how she's alive again, but at least in terms of her role in this story. But um, you know, I got I got to say from uh, you know just a general thousand foot overhead standpoint here, Dan. Um, Osborne Legacy is is a pretty good story through two chapters, right? I mean, like we we got some good things cooking. Um, some good character moments. The imminence art is just on fire throughout. Um, I, I'm grooving on this story.
0: I'm in the same place as you, Mark. I, I know what our grades on this story are, and I, we're lockstep together on this. I read your review, and it was just, like, peering into my own brain. Before we get into, like, the real meat and potatoes of what goes on in this story, I wanted to look back at the previous story where we had talked about this kind of cliffhanger At the end of the book. And I think we had said like, yeah, it's cool that Silver Sable is back. And that was a fine reveal. But the more interesting thing was that she had her sights set on Harry Osborn. Uh, And that doesn't seem to be an element here in this story. I wanted to ask you before we got into everything. Do you think that in the previous issue, that was a like art mistake, writing mistake um, do you think that's going to come back? It doesn't seem to pertain to this story at all.
1: It's funny. the The short answer to your question, Dan, is I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where if we don't get back to it, we can just say it's a mistake. But if we kind of start confirming one way or another, I feel like then we can – People can point to that and be like, no, 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 we meant this all along. You know, it's kind of like the whole thing with the man in red during the um, lead up to clone conspiracy where we started to kind of quibbling over the fact of, well, you know, is this truly a mystery or is this not a mystery? And it seems to be another one of those things where. If it's convenient, we can come back to it and, and, and lean on it. But otherwise, we might just want to say it's a mistake. I don't know. Does that oh, yeah. make sense to you?
0: Yeah, I was only asking because, like, to me, that was like a really intriguing mystery, and I was hoping to see more of it. So I'm with you. I, I don't know what to label this, and I hope that it plays out into something, you know, greater in the future. Because right now – and I, I like this about this issue, getting into the actual issue itself – that this is a pretty simple and straightforward story. And I think it really allows the writing to be clear, the motivations to make sense, um, the stakes to make sense. Um, I don't know that I buy Osborne as like a villain here, and maybe I'm not really supposed to. He's not really doing much evil stuff at this point, which is interesting too in its own right. But um, it will be cool if later down the line that element resurfaces to kind of give another layer to this story.
1: Yeah, I mean I think in terms of Osborne, you know, we're 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 supposed to kind of just be leaning on it's Osborne and we know what he's about and he's never up to any good truly, but um but you're right. I mean, there's nothing in the context of these two issues. There's nothing to kind of be like, "Hey, wait, wait a second. What's going on here? Why why are we so um ticked off?" And 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 I think to a greater point of analysis and criticism here i mean that's kind of um, my biggest issue with this story thus far i mean you know in in the first issue when peter was kind of chasing after norman he said something to the tune of well i need a win after everything i've been through the last few issues i need a win and that made sense i felt through like the context of you know i have an opportunity to get norman osborn i'm going to go after him but now that this um story is kind of becoming more more involved and there's more at stake the i need a win justification for everything that peter is putting on the line here doesn't really jive with me and i think that's the one thing that's kind of keeping me from Going all in on this story emotionally as as a reader does that does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think we're meant and getting back to my other point, you know, is I think not only is it uh, I need a win, but there's the added thing like I'll do anything to take down an Osborne and the history that comes with Osborne, Um, but. Uh, and we'll talk about this when we get to the end of the book. But, like, there are some actions taken here by Peter um, that he's always gone after Osborne. but I've never seen him, like, uh, elevate the threat to this level based on no kind of, like, villainous actions uh, taken by Osborne within this individual story. Um, I think... And you said this last week. If this had been a you know a long boiling conflict between the two of them, and we, yes, we did see Osborne's lackeys in issue four of this relaunch, but that's way long ago. Um, it's it's like if this was a continual thread, I think these motivations would make a lot more sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if like you know we we played up during Clone Conspiracy the fact that. You know, not only was Gwen back from the dead, but she was back from the dead after Osborne You know, like, I mean, we got a little bit of that of that being serviced during that storyline. But like, you know, like we we had some elements in that last story that really could have been mined here to to remind us of the true evil that Osborne has kind of laid upon Peter um, and. And we kind of are glossing over it and tap dancing around it, but we're not really. It, it, it's it's something that can be done. I for me, very simply, and and there seems to be some avoidance in that. And that's like I said, it's 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 not that I'm not involved or invested in this story but it's like right now it's like this is a pretty cool story i feel like if we really started to kind of hone in on the emotional stakes here a little more finely and a little more directly this would be like oh wow this is a great story this is this is setting up to be one of the better stories that we've gotten in the last four or five years and instead it's just kind of like tap dancing on the on the on the circumference of that and and that's not a bad thing but like it, it could be more that's all that's that's where my criticism comes in
0: well, well, well we're talking about this now let's get into the details of it because it is kind of the backbone of this entire issue which is mainly an action oriented issue and that action is superbly illustrated i mean some yes of, some of the better spider-man action we've seen in a long time,
1: uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about this last episode, Dan. I mean, you you really gotta like. I mean, what's been the big change the last few issues? And it's Stuart Imminent, and like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to keep like. This is not to disregard Dan's slot, but I really, I'm gonna keep maintaining until I guess I'm proven incorrect that that Eminem is just bringing out the best in Slot's storytelling right now. I mean, he is just driving the narrative with his visuals here. And, and you know, we just got these these compelling action sequences um, that are really driving the tension of the story and the drama. And, and I think slot is kind of raising his game to match what Eminem is doing on an art level.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I love um, Eminem is really great at creating these... Not to mention just splash pages, but, like, his horizontal paneling. It's, like, really wonderful and wide. And I I, I can't think of, like, anybody in the recent years that has captured Spider-Man in motion quite like Stuart Eminem has here. I mean, yes, we're getting, like, we get, like, these high-speed chases with blurred, you know, uh, artwork in the background. And the coloring in this book is out of control we got those kind of neons that we've gotten used to throughout um this you know Par- parker industries run of volume four but uh the kind of like free uh like looseness of colors is, is great The 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 green colored osborne tech i love that stuff
1: yeah i mean i i i made a joke that in the in the, my review that i i just kind of love the fact that uh Osborne just can't drop that purple and green motif. You know, it's like a, it's like having a cell phone with your old exchange on it. You just can't drop that area code. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Well, he can't
0: drop the goblin persona either. He's handing out business cards with the goblin army insignia on it. And uh, I mean, where do you get those business cards?
1: I don't know. I don't think he's doing it through like uh Etsy or anything. I mean
0: <laughs> Uh yeah I mean but uh, so let's get into that so what he's doing right now in this story is that Osborne is like creating his own tech in in a way he's kind of gone back to what he was doing before he went insane um he's creating this tech to sell to various military personnel um I'm guessing that's what he was doing in Africa is you know like selling tech to the warlords there um and he's using – or he takes advantage of Spider-Man getting involved to showcase, you know, his upgraded gliders and and armored tank-looking things with legs. I love tanks with legs. Yeah. But yeah, the mech warrior, mech robot stuff is great. It's um, very
1: Star Wars, but that works. So why, why complain?
0: Right. And – uh and, you know, Spider-Man kind of busts in on this. Uh, one of the things that I thought was kind of odd about this and talking about the goblin persona is, like, this is going to be me, like, projecting my dream version of this. But imagine a version of this story where we we, we have Parker Industries and he has a, you know, a, a company rival that's also doing tech that's not Osborn and they've been tech rivals all the way up to this point throughout the series, and then in this issue, we find out that his tech rival is, you know, Norman Osborn. Um, I think that could have been a cool flip on the identity thing, because what I don't really get here is that, like, everybody knows Norman Osborn is the Green Goblin in this universe. Why is he still projecting that while wearing an alternate face? Like, he's giving out cards with the Osborn symbol on it. Like, He should be doing this secretly, Um, right? And he's like only like halfway there, you know. Like uh, he's got a new face. Why not like make it completely a mystery and obscure it?
1: No, I agree. I mean, it's like you know the whole the whole premise behind this new status quo for Norman was that you know he was kind of operating under a shroud of of mystery and secrecy, and you know him going around with. Business cards and purple and green gliders. I mean, that just kind of, you know, ruins the subtleties of anything he's trying to do right yeah. now, you know?
0: I mean, I know it would be probably the same, tw- you'd probably knock it for being the same twist as the ending of Superior Spider Man. But I think, like, in this instance, if there was a long, like, built up character or something, and the reveal was the man under the face is Norman Osborn like, that could actually be really interesting because he 's not crazy he wouldn't identify himself um, and he's back to his old things. Um, I like what Dan slot is doing here now. I just think there was an opportunity to do something like you know even more subversive with it
1: so what so so what else kind of stands out to you in this in this issue? I mean you know for me, Dan, I mean not to go back to more general things, but like it's this this entire issue just feels very simple in its approach in a good way. Like I, I, I think I used the phrase in, in my review like, you know, we're playing the hits here. But the hits work, you know, like, like this just feels very – to me like this is one of the best uses of the Parker industry status quo because we're finally getting a story here where – it's it's a Peter Parker, it's a Spider-Man story with the added twist of the resources of Parker Industries behind it. Whereas, you know, I don't think we could have said that about a lot of the earlier stories. I mean, there was kind of – I mean, Clone Conspiracy was its own animal altogether. But even kind of going back to like the stuff with the Zodiac and Mr. Negative and Cloak and Dagger, I mean, it just kind of felt like we were reading – you know, not to kind of play into the the, the the lazy critique of, oh, it's Iron Man, but with Spider-Man. But it, 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 there was just something kind of foreign about it in terms of a Spider-Man story where this is like, no, these are Spider-Man stories. It's just, you know, with the added benefit of that, the fact that he owns his own company and has money and has tech at his disposal. Um, but, um, you know, just kind of the, the general morals and ethics and dramas that come with uh, with Spider-Man, they, they are all very familiar. They all seem kind of at home here, right?
0: Yeah, I, I like that. And I like the kind of added additional layer of like, ha- you know, having to work with S.H.I.E.L.D. And what does it mean that Spider-Man is operating on a global scale as a vigilante? You know, like, can he do that? Can he pursue his Spider-Man endeavors, in this case, bringing down the Green Goblin um, in a way that, like, doesn't violate international law or peacekeeping efforts, you know? And and I thought there's an interesting wrinkle with, you know, Bobby Morse having to, you know, Mockingbird having to check out halfway through the issue because, you know, they're trying to keep a low profile in in China. Um, And you're wondering, like, yes, with the added ability comes added scrutiny, which is kind of like where we get to at the end of the issue, um, which I think is a a genuinely interesting place to put Peter and Parker Industries, even if I don't think it's entirely earned.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's but it's it's something and we're and we're playing with the old standbys of power and responsibility and and which is a, a new twist.
0: So uh, uh, there's a couple moments I wanted to highlight with Silver Sable that that I thought were kind of uh, a little off to me. Um, There's a a moment during this high speed bike chase, which is really great, where Sable like flip kicks a guy off a bike and he hits this like electric sign. And Peter, you know, immediately harps on her like, is he alive or not alive? And I want to institute a new like (laughs) continuing question on this show. I am going to call yeah. it. This is uh, modeled after the Five Thirty Eight podcast. They do a thing called "Good Use of Polling" or "Bad Use of Polling." Okay, and I'm to, this is now "Good Use of Parker guilt or "Bad Use of
1: Parker <laughs> guilt. Uh
0: What do you think? Is, is, was this warranted? It's like, like how many times? Because this is something that comes up all the time. Is anytime anybody takes any action, like he starts, like you know, vetching about it, you know. Uh,
1: Like it's it's certainly it's certainly a crutch, you know, and 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 to me, anytime it's used as a crutch is a bad use of Parker Gilt. You know, it needs to feel a little more organic than this. I mean, you know, we have this story right now where he seems kind of driven beyond precedent to take down Osborne. And yet here he is quibbling over the life of a of a maskless goon and not saying that he shouldn't be being spider-man to 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 the end here but yeah i i'm with you on this one it seems it seemed a little seemed a little silly it's like okay i mean we need to remind people that sable is a bit of a mercenary and that's part of her character although i i will say to the credit like we're finally getting some elements of sympathy to what's going on in her story right now that we've never really had before which is for me, at least, because I'm I'm not a, I'm not a big Silver a Silver Sable fan, Dan. I mean, I don't know. No disrespect to the legendary Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. I know Silver Sable is one of their their big character creations from that great run that they did, but uh, the character has always felt very flat to me because you know she's a merc. You know, like what what's what's what what? There's no fun in a merc to me in the world of Spider-Man. I don't know. Does that make me? Does that make me too uh, too black and white? I don't
0: know. No, I don't love her as a character. I think there's potential for her to be an interesting character. I think she was interesting in the Ultimate Spider-Man series where that kind of played that Merc thing to, like, I think a more interesting point than we've ever gone with her. And I like – you're right. I agree with you. I like what they've done with her here. But that gets back to my point is that you know he – this beat during this chase – like, is intended to make us think, oh, like, maybe we can't completely trust Silver Sable because she's just willing to kick a guy off a bike, and when questioned, she's just like, yeah, sure, he's fine, whatever, you know, without really knowing. But then, you know, 10 pages later, Peter is willing to, like, lay down the line, like, his entire company and all of his money without question to save the people of her country. So, like, if you're going to introduce this doubt... Like why not, you know, bring that up later. Like he he's just totally on board later. Like you know, just a few pages later.
1: No, I agree, and and that kind of goes back to the central issue I have with Peter's characterization here. But but you know, there's no answer to that right now, Dan. But no, I agree. I mean, it's 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 what do we what are, what 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 are we actually going for here? But but I, I I'm 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 ready to move past, kind of putting hitting the pause button on a narrative to kind of point out Peter's overall insecurities and guilt issues. Cause we, we know who this character is at this point. We like, I I don't know. Like, do we really need to kind of stop everything to point out a possible objection he would have in a passing moment like this? Cause I don't, I don't see the value in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like that moment save, save those panels and, Use those panels to bolster, you know, Peter's motivation at the end of this book a little bit more.
1: Yeah, like, Um, like, like. Oh man, I'm I'm about to put my company on the line. Am I sure that this is worth it? You know, am I sure that Sable's to be trusted? And we don't have that.
0: Yeah, Um, you know, this actually reminds me. I was. This is going to sound name droppy, but I was having breakfast with Mark Guggenheim a few weeks back. Like you do. You know, like you do. Uh, This is my life now. Um, Okay. And uh, he was telling me something that, you know, has really changed the way he writes comics, is that Marvel went from 23 pages down to 21 pages for a comic. And he said, like, he could really feel those two pages. Like, during Brand New Day, they had 23 pages. And Mm -hmm. when Dan Slott took over the book... Like, either at the time of or shortly thereafter, it went down to 21 pages. And he said he could really feel like he was cutting muscle to remove those two pages from a book. And he would have conversations with Dan Slott, who expressed the same thing. And, like, I wonder, like, if there were two more pages in this book, that would be enough to really flesh out all of these motivations. Um, And it's something I think about every time I read a book now. Like, what would two more pages do? You know, or
1: like, would we have just been – would we have just gotten like a Miley Cyrus ringtone joke?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean that's certainly true too. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, that's uh, – I'm being glib. That's terrible. Mark, shut up.
0: <laughs> but still, I mean it's an interesting thing to consider. Like comics are different than they were five, seven years ago whatever because there's less of it to tell a story. Yeah, You know. Yeah. Um, and that's a certainly – like it's something I – I like wish I knew back in my earlier critiques, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I guess I knew it, you know, like looking at the page number on my digital account because I'm not reading a comic and counting the pages, but, uh, you know, I could see that really kind of like making it tough to adjust, you know, someone who's used to a certain amount of space to tell a story.
1: Mm. I I think that's pretty cool. um, The
0: the other Sable thing I wanted to talk about is her return and kind of like, non-justification of right. <laughs> how she came back like if we get it down the line fine but like right if this, but, non- but if this answered, is where it
1: ends yeah not good <laughs>
0: yeah like i'm just back whatever you know like uh that's not gonna be enough for me
1: it's like for those who those who follow pro wrestling it's like when when the character all of a sudden like turns heel and like betrays his partner and then the next episode comes out and opens up Monday Night Raw and goes. I don't owe you an explanation. That's what we got here. And and it's it's lazy when it's done in wrestling, and it's kind of lazy when it's done in comics. But um, we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll get something. I mean, I do like the fact that like Simcaria is kind of like this. Like, how would we describe what's happened to Simcaria? It's like a like a totalitarian state now, right, or something, because of Osborne and his and his minions. Did anybody notice this going going on? Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, you know, we're under a populist revolution everywhere right now, Dan. I mean, you know, who who can keep up? Well, nobody really knows where
0: Simkari is anyway.
1: No, no, no. I mean, are, did they vote out of the EU or – I mean, are they
0: – I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, another, another rule maybe I can institute is good use of pop culture or bad use of pop culture – Because I'm going to put a vote in good use of pop culture in this book with the Jaws explosion.
1: Yeah. Oh, please. Great. That's a good one. And that's like – because like it's Jaws. That's classic pop culture. If you can make a Jaws joke or a Jaws reference in that fashion, that's great. You know, like the the problem is like, you know, not to be, again, overly glib, but – In recent years, we weren't getting Jaws references, Dan. We were getting Sharknado references. Yeah. That's a really good comparison. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Jaws, all-time great movie, and he made a great reference to it. Sharknado? Well, you know. (laughs) I don't know, Dan. You're the movie guy. What do you think of Sharknado?
0: I I actually don't like those kind of movies because, like, intentionally bad movies don't do it for me. Like, Bad movies by accident are great. Like right. Jupiter Ascending and Gods of Egypt. Sign me up. I love those. Uh, I was there opening night for both of those movies.
1: Okay, well, but good
0: for you. Sharknado, no. Uh, do you want to talk about the ending here and and Peter's uh, like moral precipice or whatever you want to call it?
1: Right, right. Well, I mean, you know. It's been a couple of weeks, Dan, but um from my understanding it's it's you know, Peter is is ready to go into Simcaria to kind of liberate it and SHIELD is kind of stepping up and like, okay, well we can't back Parker Industries because Simcaria is its own independent nation. That didn't stop stop SHIELD during secret war, mind you.
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: <laughs> like, oh, we can go into lotvaria and like mind control people, but whatever, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so it's it's Parker Industries is now being treated like a rogue state. So uh,
0: like that's a Aime lot. Of- and Hydra is what they make the comparison.
1: So that's pretty bad. I mean, I don't know. I, I this seems like this seems like this could be the end of Parker Industries, Dan. What do you think?
0: I think we've seen that end signaled so many times, and. That's a problem, I think. Like this over-signaling of major plot beats. It just seems like, yeah, Parker Industries is going to end. Like the bigger surprise would be if it doesn't end.
1: Yeah, but we're here. Yeah. That's where we're at. And, um, but it's 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 a pretty huge step. And and to me, I, I mean, bigger than this. And this goes all the way back to the very first thing we were talking about for this issue. I mean, this is a. Big line for Peter to be crossing, regardless of what the status quo is. I mean, you know, for him to be putting this much on the line, whether it be his company or whatever, you know, he's crossing a pretty huge line in terms of responsibility. You know, he has the power to do what he's about to do, but is this a responsible use of that power? And that's always, of course, central to everything that goes on in the world of Spider Man comics. And does that feel justified? Does this feel like an earned l- red line to be crossing?
0: I I don't know. Um, I, I think I'm I'm am like in the middle on this because I like I like the idea that with so much power he you know has the responsibility to like utilize it in some way and not be worried about maintaining power.
1: Like, yeah, I mean because like let's also keep in mind, Dan, that like at the core of this, you know kind of talking about true Spider-Man moments or whatever, I mean like Spider-Man is someone who has routinely over the course of his existence has made decisions that have bucked convention and bucked kind of like the mainstream Marvel hero edicts. Because, you know, based on his views on what should be the responsible decision, it's the right decision. And I feel like this kind of fits into that to a degree, right? I mean, like, you know, he's using his power in a way that could be seen as a gross misuse of power. But, you know, Simcaria is being taken over by this truly evil force and shield is playing by like these kind of upper, you know, upper crust versions of diplomacy and what's right and what's wrong, and like you're kind of like, well, that's not right either, and that's always like that gray area is always where Spider Man's kind of fit in. So the, yeah, there
0: is. I mean, it's it's the it. it's the like, are the cops going to solve it, or do I have to take action, like just written on a much grander scale?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of always like, you know not to relitigate stories from the past but always kind of my issue with the whole civil war thing where it's like I I don't know if I would ever see Spider-Man siding with the government you know like it's kind of like you know that doesn't seem to be where the character's at i mean you know what what what's kind of always been great about this character is They've Marvel has always kind of put him in these scenarios where he's with other Marvel heroes, but it's there more because he doesn't work well with them, and, he, and it causes natural conflict because of his own moral code and the way he operates. I mean that's what makes Marvel Team-Up such a great read if you like those kind of comics. Yeah. I do. I bought some old Marvel Team-Ups, Dan. I've, I'm buying old comics again.
0: That's great to hear.
1: I just wanted to throw that out there. That's um, nice. <laughs> you're like, whatever, Mark. Get back to the story. Um,
0: no, but like I, I, I agree with you. I think the things that I would have needed to be 100% on board with this and his kind of avant-garde thinking is more than one panel about Simcaria and yeah. the situation going on there. Because it's Mr. not one enough for two me to buy into in. it. What?
1: Yeah. That's where those two pages come in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I, like I, I'm not, like I'm not buying into the immediacy of Pit Parker's actions. You know, like, those
1: two pages and a, and a Miley Cyrus ringtone.
0: Yeah, I'll even take a Miley Cyrus ringtone if I ha- could get more on Simcaria. And, there you go. And the other thing is like, like Peter is an impetuous guy. Like he often jumps into situations. Like in Superior, he was the one willing to jump in front of the train. To save Anna Maria, that's like the kind of guy he is. Like he'll jump in with, uh, like you know, without the, you know really analyzing the risk to himself. Except the problem in this issue for me is Harry Osborn literally and his all of the people in his company literally lay out all the problems with this for like two pages before he's like, yeah, I'm still going ahead with it. So it's like he can be like rash and and you know and make a quick decision, except that everybody's already told him. Right. The negative benefits of that or whatever.
1: There you go. All right, Dan.
0: I mean, is that wanna, fair?
1: Yeah, I think it's very fair.
0: Okay. All right. That's fair. You want to
1: grade this thing?
0: Yeah, let's give it a grade. I'm going to give it a B.
1: Um, As as you indicated before this episode really got into the thick of things, I'm also right there with you with a B.
0: Great. Uh, I'm excited to read more of this book. I think the ending with the Bobby and Mockingbird was a nice little sting. Not as intriguing as the previous thing, but an interesting one nevertheless.
1: Yeah, although I will like to say I, I still don't care about Peter and Bobby as a couple.
0: I don't either, but, like, I'm imagining her as, like, a police officer going in to stop Spider-Man, and that's an interesting story.
1: Absolutely. All right, well, let's get to some comments and emails. spider
0: Mark, we get a lot of comments and emails this week. So all of your pitches seem to be working. But oh, how, my how can people contact us?
1: Yeah, of course. If you want to send us your thoughts and dreams and questions and everything in between, Dan, uh, you can, of course, leave us comments on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, whatever, and a rating because that helps us grow as a community. You can email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. You can tweet at us and hashtag it okay to print Of course, there is the Nine Red Goblin. I don't think we got any phone calls this time, but we got so many emails. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to read through this first email here. It's from Tim Peterson. Uh, Tim writes in, your discussion on the latest podcast About what will happen to your collection in the future reminded me of a plan I have for a collection of my own. It's not comics, but every Christmas I get a new carved wooden figure for my nativity set, shepherds, animals, wise men, etc. They're not cheap, but I only get one or two pieces a year. I'm up to about 30 pieces. My plan is to build the collection to a big enough size that I can split it uh, among my three kids when they're grown or when I'm dead on the condition that they use their one-third to start a collection of their own. Hopefully, they'll slowly build their own set, and my one collection will grow into three collections. If they pass down the tradition, in a few few generations, there could be dozens of collections that all grew out of mine. It'd be great if they were all different, representing different ways my family has branched out. You can come up with something similar for your collections, unless you're worried it could spark family divisions if the collection evolved differently. It would be a shame if the Janakia or Gavazin family reunion in 2099 devolved into fistfights between factions debating whether or not annuals count. Well, I mean, we know in my family where things will always stand on that day.
0: This is like the new Hatfields and the McCoys.
1: My son son is going to besmirch my name by starting a collection of just annuals.
0: (laughs) I like this idea. I don't know that I'm going to have kids. I mean, I might. Um, and if I do, it'd probably be just one, like like you, Mark. Uh, right. So, like, we could we could maybe divvy it up somehow. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think this is a cool idea. Um, I don't know that I would want to basically like burden my family with having to collect amazing Spider-Man issues. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think this is a cool tradition from uh, from Tim.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know. I I I don't know if I should be admitting this here, but you know, we have a, a tradition in my household where for our Christmas nativity, we 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 like to add bobbleheads that we've accrued
0: over the years <laughs> to the nativity. Who who likes to attend Baby Jesus's birth in your family?
1: Exactly, exactly. So a lot of it's sports figures, but no, you no, know, I was
0: surprised it wasn't Secret Wars action figures.
1: Well, they they they've showed up too, okay. um, and there were some Ninja Turtles one year. It's great. Anyway,
0: <laughs> what kind um, of yonder world is this?
1: Exactly. Welcome to Battle World, folks. Yeah. Um, no, this is a cool tradition. I mean, I I kind of like the idea of things kind of repopulating, but but I I don't know how to do this out of comics. I mean, I I and. And yeah, I mean, as of right now, it's one child, and, you know, maybe there'll be a second child at some point. But um, to say that if there's just one, that it kind of, you know, I pass it on to him, and then what? You know what I mean? Like, I, it's tough, Dan. What do we do?
0: I don't know, but we got a long time to figure it out.
1: All right, all right. Hopefully, Fair enough. Hopefully. All right. What's our second email?
0: Uh, our second email comes from Michael, and he asked me to butcher his last name, but I'm going to give it a genuine shot. Uh, Passo? Uh,
1: that's what I would have said.
0: Yeah, Passo, Pasio.
1: Sounds very know. French-Canadian, Dan.
0: It does, and actually he has a comment about that later, but we'll get to that uh, later.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, Oh, sorry. boy.
0: Uh, Mark and Dan, what up, fellas? I found your bonus episode to be very interesting as you broached a particular topic that I find distressing said topic being the life expectancy of our beloved tangible paper comics. I understand the economic draw for publishers to push for digital distribution, and I also appreciate how amazing modern comics look in digital format, but I don't want that to be my only feasible option. I'm afraid that one day they'll either stop printing comics or they'll become expensive to justify the purchase. Regretfully, if this were to happen, I believe I'd have to walk away from comics." When you purchase something from a service such as iTunes or Marvel Unlimited, you're only purchasing access to the media on their servers, or you have to log into their servers to access your purchases. You really aren't getting anything. It's the snake oil of our time. Marvel almost went bankrupt. I know it's far-fetched, but what if that were to happen now? Who would pay to keep those servers running? All the comics I purchased would be gone because I never really had anything to begin with. Okay, that's the end of my rant. May paper comics live forever. And he says, "Also, now on to Canadian bacon. I wholeheartedly agree that it is inferior to domestic bacon, but if you just think of it as little ham slices, <laughs> it's perfectly fine. And at the end of the day, it's irrelevant because pork roll is the ultimate breakfast protein. Yes, guys, it's the highlight of my week.
1: That is the hottest take I've ever heard yeah, about pork no, roll. I'm
0: not back in the pork roll."
1: Is he is he is he from Jersey? This guy, because that's a pork roll. The only people I know who are like all about the pork roll are Jersey people.
0: Maybe there's a Jersey contingency in Canada.
1: I I don't know. Like my dad, when I was a kid, my dad would bring home pork roll from the deli, and my mom would just be like, "Why are you bringing home like pig lips and and pig toenails as a cold cut meat?" That's ridiculous. I'll tell you what,
0: though, I'm a huge fan of scrapple, which I don't think is too far off.
1: I've never had scrapple, but I would eat it. I I would try it.
0: You're down in Maryland for my wedding. We're going to have some scrapple together.
1: If you if there's some scrapple somewhere, I'm all about it. I'm not afraid of like weird. I mean, Dan, I'm about to get really off target here, but um, when I was in Italy for my honeymoon, you know what the best thing I freaking ate was
0: Uh, squid ink pasta.
1: No, well, that was good too, but no. Best thing I ate in the Mercado de Central in Florence was a tripe sandwich. Oh, tripe that was just perfectly cooked and tender, with red and green salsa on a ciabatta roll with a glass of wine.
0: That does sound pretty good.
1: But yeah, anyway,
0: I want to. I want to cycle back to the Canadian bacon before we get to the main question um is that like if you're gonna invoke the name bacon you don't get to say like little ham slices you're fine like be canadian ham okay canadian bacon the word bacon is sacrosanct
1: yeah i mean and the other thing too is you know i i I feel remiss in this always relitigating this Dan. but it's like if i want like well if i want a ham how about like do like a ham steak you know what I mean? Like like I went to Vegas for the first time a few months ago and, you know, like there was the breakfast buffet, which was just this total decadent awfulness that was awesome. Um, but then like the standard breakfast, it was like three eggs at your choice of meat, bacon, sausage or ham steak. So like who wants Canadian bacon? Get ham steak.
0: Canadian bacon, though, is good on an eggs benedict.
1: Yes. That is the one acceptable time to have Canadian bacon.
0: Great. Okay. Topic adjourned or whatever.
1: All right. But uh, digital comics, yeah. I, I I, mean I agree with everything he pretty much says here
0: um, I about feel, digital comics. I mean I feel like it probably will go the route of like vinyl. It will be more expensive to get the paper and digital will be cheaper and that's just the future. It just is like uh, – comic audiences are small and yeah um, no, but, but at the same time Image and like a bunch of other smaller publishers make their digital downloads DRM free so you can literally download a CBR file or a PDF file so that you can maintain ownership if their servers go down I don't really foresee Marvel doing that and that's our fault because people steal comics and, and share comics um I think it would be really great of Marvel to just say people are going to read them legally or illegally, and we're going to give you the DRM free code, but I don't really see them doing that in the future.
1: All right. Can I get to this last email here? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. This is from uh, Peter Haggard, which is a great, like, kind of, you know, descriptive last name. Uh, He writes, uh, Dan and Mark, I'm really loving your podcast. I only discovered it a couple weeks ago, but I'm hooked. I especially love your Essentials episode and happy to see my way through all of them. It sounds like you only intend to do a total of 30 Essential episodes. Is there something that will come after that? I really love the retrospective look on old Spider stories and hope you continue to do something similar, even if it's something like the worst Spidey stories or the best villain stories. I'd love to hear more of the history of Spider-Man. Thanks for being making the best Spider-Man podcast.
0: Uh, Mark, so I thought we could take this question as a time to kind of address the future of the show. Um, yes, we're only doing 30 Essentials episodes because that's what we kind of claimed to the start. Um, in the coming months, I'm going to be getting married. And kind of be kind of traveling around a lot. So that might put a kind of a weird break in our schedule. And uh, I don't know how we want to say this, Mark, but uh, the show is going to continue, obviously. But we might be doing some very dramatic restructuring of the show in coming months.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair way of putting it. And, I mean, you know, I hope that I'm not – surprising you in saying this Dan but I I I think no matter what we do I think kind of the um there will be there will continue to be a focus on the past in Spider-Man in what we do right I think that's a fair assessment
0: yeah I think even more of an emphasis on it uh coming up yeah does that sound fair
1: I think so too um, you know, I, 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 I guess what I would say is when things change, um, we will not be focusing exclusively on new content, on new issues.
0: I think Peter like, will be happy.
1: Yes. He will not be haggard over our changes,
0: <laughs> but he will be at the, all the same,
1: but he'll be haggard just listening to it. Yes. That's his name. Um but yeah. So I guess at,
0: Yeah, pay attention because there's gonna be some big announcements coming down the pike.
1: Yeah. And 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 for I'm I'm glad that you like the essentials. We like the essentials, and that's probably reflected in how we talk about them. But um yeah. it'd be weird so if you we
0: didn't the, like our essential picks.
1: God. I hate talking about great Spider Man comics from the past. <laughs> boring it's
0: not like you even had a blog about it or anything
1: no terrible all right dan why don't we talk about the friendly neighborhood spider talk members club
0: It's that time of the show where we talk about the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. It's our fan club on Patreon where you guys help support the show and we give you all kinds of good goodies and additional content and things in the mail, etc., etc., and you kind of just help us continue. And we like to do these raffles and last a couple episodes ago I announced we were raffling off Mark's favorite book, Spider-Man Rain.
1: Yeah, so uh, congratulations to Brandon Murray. You got a great comic.
0: What's even great, or greater about this is it is out of print, this book. So uh, he's going to get a comic that he couldn't really pick up anywhere except for getting it like used or whatever. So it's a brand spanking new one. So check your mailbox, Brandon Murray.
1: We swear this is not a punishment.
0: <laughs> At least I don't think so.
1: No. Dan loves it. It's essential if it was up to Dan.
0: Yeah, I agree with that statement. All right, cool. So, if you uh, want to put your name in the raffle box and get all kinds of cool things in the mail other than the raffles, even for just the price of a comic a month, you can join our friendly neighborhood Spider Talk members club by clicking on the button on both of our sites that will get you there. Um, that's enough about that, Mark. Let's talk about some spider news. Give me-
1: all right dan we got a, a fair amount in some late breaking stuff with c2e2 as we're recording this but um to top it off you know we, we we talked with brian last episode about some scoopy scoops uh with uh some bendis comics and now um we got a little bit more on spider-man 2 uh that's gonna be the miles and peter team up or meet up or whatever you want to call it like it looks like we're finally going to get the resolution to the end of the first Spider-Man of who is the Miles Morales in 616.
0: And I don't know if I care all that much, but I'm still excited about this book because I think Bendis has been holding back the goods on Miles and his backstory in Spider-Man uh, for a while. And I'm hoping that this is the book that solves all of that and reinvests me in Miles.
1: I did enjoy that we got a tweet last night, Dan. It didn't, wasn't hashtags, but I'm going to share it anyway, where uh, someone was speculating that uh, Miles Davis could be the Miles of the 616. I, mean, <laughs> oh, I, I had
0: mean, you seen that.
1: There's no cooler character than that, you know?
0: That is true. That is true. Yes. You heard it here. Scoopy Scoops, Scoopy Miles scoops. Davis. So, yeah, that's going to be starting up this summer. Um, July, right? Yeah. So that's exciting. Maybe Yeah, I'll, definitely. Well, and I think maybe we'll even talk about it here. Well, have Brian back on. We could do like another crossover.
1: That sounds, that sounds splendid, Dan, it, depending on where the show is at that point.
0: That's true. That's true. Don't freak uh, out, everybody. We promise it will be just fine.
1: It will be great. Um, the next thing is, Dan, I mean, talk about crazy stuff I didn't think I'd see in my lifetime. A teaser for a Cloak & Dagger TV show?
0: I know we had talked about this before, but now it's actually a real thing. Uh, yeah, this is on Freeform, which is, like, the new name for ABC Family. And yeah. I thought we were going to get, like, kind of like a, you know, something in the lo- along the lines of, like, the CW's DC stuff. Which right. is kind of, like, intentionally a little, like, you know, corny and stylized. And this looks like something completely different than that. And I thought it was really neat.
1: Uh, what did you think, Mark? Yeah, no, I agree. And and I just want to say as a sidebar here, not as another opportunity to plug my upcoming book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Uh, it seems very available. much
0: like a plug.
1: Available June 1st. But I spoke for the book with um, Ed Hannigan, who is the artist who co-created Cloak & Dagger with Bill Mantlo. And Ed Hannigan said, like, Basically, to me, when I asked him about, so, you know, and this was back in like September, October when I spoke to him about this. I was like, so what do you think with this TV show, Freeform, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, my God, they've been talking about Cloak and Dagger on TV forever. I'll believe it when I see it. And I don't think I'm ever going to see it. That was Ed Hannigan. <laughs> like, he's like, I'd love to see it because it'd be great for me. But I don't think it's going to happen.
0: Well, no. What's so funny about it is that, like, for the first like minute and a half, there's no cloak and dagger stuff. Like, it looks like a teen drama, and like a a pretty decent teen drama at that. Like, there's, you know, and also like invokes elements of like race and privilege, and uh, I thought it was really interesting. And then suddenly, they're like dead, and and like she's holding a dagger of light, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Here we go.
1: Yeah. All I know is my favorite ABC family show of all time is still Bunheads. Yeah, I liked it. Go away, people. Um, so if this could beat Bunheads, we're in good shape, all right?
0: Yeah. So, uh, and we have saw, you watched like, Bunheads, Dan? I've not, but I, but I, my sister has, and I know that she really liked it. There you go. I don't I like know if that's sister. a ringing endorsement, but, but – I like your sister. Well, wait <laughs>
1: It has Broadway people in it. My wife's an actress. Just just, just go with it, okay? i heard
0: it's great. It's the same person who did Gilmore Girls, right? Uh,
1: Amy yes. Amy Sherman Paladino. Is that
0: it? Amy Sherman Paladino. I was going to say Genji Cohen, but that's not right.
1: Uh, oh, that's that's Weeds and, like, Orange the New Black and all yeah, that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it seems to me, and I could be wrong, but, like, watching this, it had, like, the rocks on T's. Um, yep. It, it makes me think that... Uh, we're going to be getting the ultimate version of these characters where they're younger and Roxxon is kind of behind their transformation. I don't know if you remember that story, um, but it's kind of like a, you know, it's less drug oriented, which I think makes sense. I've already seen people being like, Oh, it doesn't look like drugs play a big deal in this. I'm like, it's not the eighties anymore. Like we're not war on drugs and say, just say no anymore. Like,
1: Hey, kind of... unless, unless it's got a robotic Antonio Silvermane in it, I don't, I'm don't. i not interested. Or not Antonio, whatever. <laughs> uh, the robo-Silvermane. Unless yeah. it's got him in it, I'm not interested.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess they could address the op- opioid epidemic. It seems like a weird place for the show to go.
1: Well, you know, the fact that you're so disregarding of the opioid epidemic shows why we lost, Dan. Yeah, right. <laughs> um anyway uh no it looks good i'm i'm into it i'm I'm just also not for nothing glad that marvel is kind of finally expanding its tv offerings beyond the netflix i've actually kind of we haven't even addressed iron fist i haven't watched much or any of it yet i'm kind of getting a little bored with netflix marvel right now so i'm kind of curious to see what they do on regular tv again with some you know more guidelines, I guess.
0: I've not watched any of Iron Fist, and I couldn't finish Luke Cage. I think they're yeah. all just too long. It's too many yeah. episodes.
1: Agreed. Of Agreed. the
0: same thing for
1: and and Shield has been surprisingly good this season. That's so. That's why that's another what I've re- heard. Why, that's another reason why I'm kind of like okay, let's 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 see what they can do in some other format. So, um, that's good stuff.
0: Um, cloak and dagger, weird. We're in a weird time.
1: We are, we are. T- don't, don't let Ed Hannigan know because I don't <laughs> think he's gonna believe you. Um, just a kind of quick thing. I mean, it looks like, um, we've kind of speculated about this, Dan, about Dan Slot's schedule of comic book writing going forward. Would he be going monthly? Whatever. It seems like that's kind of half true right now. Do you want to kind of? Describe what's going on here.
0: Well, I mean, if anybody who saw the new solicit, uh, you know, for July, there's only one issue in July and, you know, we just came off of a couple week break from the book in uh, May. There's only one issue, but June has two issues. So um, I'm wondering if we're going to get like maybe 16 a year or 18 a year instead of the like 20 some that we were getting. You know, we had Christos Gage on the show who stressed that Slot had a hard time meeting deadlines. And I think that's a pretty well known fact, I guess, or uh, a well known uh, rumor is that Slot has a hard time making deadlines. Um, I mean, he's also writing Silver Surfer. So it seems natural that they might, you know, roll it back a little bit. And I'm hopeful that it makes the book better. Uh, I mean, we're liking it right now, but, you know, I can only hope that. He takes that extra time and invests it into making it an even better book.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Um, But it it definitely could use a little injection and maybe a little – I mean because the fact of the matter is, Dan, I mean you know, when you go all the way back to Brand New Day and all that, it was three times a month because they had done away with all of the ancillary series and whatnot and that's just not where we're at anymore. So it it doesn't really makes sense to be pumping out amazing with that level of frequency anymore.
0: Yeah. Especially with spectacular on the horizon, <laughs> which we got some preview art and stuff for this week. And I thought it looks really rad. I, I, I can't wait to read that book.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so kind of speaking of amazing and changes on the horizon. I mean, this came out of C2E2 this weekend, Dan, uh, the new Marvel Legacy Initiative. Um, I guess if you're an old school fan, this is right up your alley. Why don't you talk a little bit about it, Dan?
0: Yeah, I mean this seems to me like why they didn't respond to the New York Times asking them to speak. It's like this is – speaking of our last episode, it seems like a direct reflection of all of those woes. Um, it's them trying to fix the problem and, and here's what's changing. They, quote unquote, return of a Marvel mainstay, which someone's going to come back from the dead or be a a new book that's a major Marvel character. And, you know, of course, we've got Hulk and Iron Man and Thor who could all kind of come back or maybe even the Fantastic Four. Marvel's first family can finally return after the end of Secret Wars. Um, uh, We're getting a bunch of new series. Um, we're going back to the old legacy numbering. Um, this was really strange to me and unexpected. They're bringing back the corner art on the covers. Um,
1: Steve Ditko creation.
0: Yep, and uh, they're bringing back the Marvel value stamps, which uh, you could trade in for Marvel items. I guess um,
1: just not digital copies.
0: Yeah, um, no. The digital copies are separately than this. The digital copies are coming back.
1: No, I, I, did, I Okay.
0: But anyway, yes, yes. And um, uh, the Foom magazine is returning, which was surprising to me. Um, and uh, I thought the most interesting is like a lot of people are reading this as like, oh, Marvel's ending their diversity thing, but if you look at their new lineup, it seems like a really solid mix of. Their old and new characters. I don't think they're abandoning it. And there's that whole, like, you know, Alex Ross book that's coming out this summer about the legacy characters teaming up. And I think that's the kind of thing here is they're going to bring back the old and mix it in with the new to emphasize, you know, kind of this legacy, but also the legacy of their company. So uh, I think before we recorded, Mark, I told you I thought that this was – Uh, and, uh, the wrong answer to a problem, but I'm not displeased by it.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, let's be honest, Dan, at the end of the day, it's about the books that they're putting out. And if Marvel puts out good books with compelling characters and compelling stories that don't feel gimmicky and don't, um, don't lead fans on without proper resolution, I think Marvel will regain its its footing in the market again. But if it's just more gimmicks and more tricks and sleight of hands and baits and switches, it's not going to matter. Is that, does that sound pretty fair?
0: Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I'm hopeful that they, they seem pretty reflective in this you know, thing we talked about last week and um, I don't know.
1: We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, if I'm still getting like – if I still feel that the product is being diluted with too much content that's not focusing on quality, it's focusing on quantity, the fact that there are some like vintage-style corner art is not going to get me to buy a book.
0: I totally agree. Um I mean, that's it. Will be interesting to see what the lineup looks like because, like DC, had the right approach with Rebirth. Is that they really cut back their books and focused on quality? I don't think that quality is still there, uh, right. but it was at one point, and that's why they saw that sales jump. Uh, I hope that this isn't just like a DC Rebirth with a facelift. You know, like Marvel's like just trying to emulate Rebirth without actually doing what made Rebirth great. So we'll see if it's just like the – if it's just the corner and the covers and that's the rebirth, I agree with you, Mark. It's not going to be enough to, right. to cook the books beyond the first couple issues.
1: Right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So why don't we get to the closing of the show, Dan?
0: Yeah. Well, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and our quite old Superior Spider Talk podcasts over at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review.
1: Additionally, be sure to check out our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, if you want to keep up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider Gwen Stacy.
0: You know, Mark, next week on the show, we're going to be having a guest for one of our Amazing Friends episodes. Who are we going to be talking to?
1: Yeah, Dan, we're, we're we're firming up the details, but uh, it looks like we're going to be having Nathan Stockman from uh, Spidey and uh, Renew Your Vows Fame. He's a, a artist. Uh, really excited to talk to Nate. Uh, he's from Ireland, so we're going to be dealing with some time zone stuff. But I think we're going to be in good shape.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to. You know, it's like kind of a fresh face on the scene, but they seem to want to use him a lot. So I think he's going to be a Spidey artist that we all grow accustomed to over the next couple years. Um, And he seems really excited about the opportunity. I just like watching him fight with Ryan Stegman on Twitter. Uh, That's the best thing of all.
1: Yeah, I mean it made it very easy to pitch when I said, hey, we've had Stegman on. you got to come on now, buddy.
0: (laughs) Cool. So I hope you'll tune in uh, for that awesome uh, interview or what I imagine will be an awesome interview because that's – Frankly, Mark, that's all we do here at Amazing That's what we do. We, yeah. we, we,
1: we have, we have the, uh, the market cornered on awesome.
0: That's great. Well, you know, uh, in case people want to get more awesome, Mark, where can they find you on the internet?
1: Well, uh, of course, you can find me on ChasingAmazingBlog.com and on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMBlog. And please, please, please pre-order my book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die from Triumph Books where all major books are sold. Dan, where can we find you?
0: I don't have a book on sale yet, (laughs) but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at SupSpiderTalk. And uh, please be sure to check out SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. I gave the site a bit of a facelift, um, and I think it's going to be operating a lot smoother for everybody from here on out. So if you haven't checked it out or if you have and you've lapsed, check us back out again. I think you're going to dig it. Uh, that's com. the other half of this whole endeavor. Um, Mark, we've talked a lot about your Uncle Ben over the years. Uh, yeah. I hope that the you know people from S.H.I.E.L.D. are contacting you about yeah. insurance uh. I'm scams. in trouble. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let's go back to a, a better time where your Uncle Ben was selling mob ties. And yeah. Yeah. You know, with
1: Jimmy the Elbow.
0: With Jimmy the Elbow, who has killed him a number of times by kicking him. Yes. Uh, yes. Th- th- those happier times. Well, you know, uh, he was selling his pretty quality ties, his mob ties. Yeah. Uh, and I heard that he had a, you know, kind of rival businessman who was also making ties, these green and purple ties, who was trying to kind of like run him out of business, you know, like uh, on, the, on the sly, you know. Uh, you know how did Ben deal with this kind of like uh, subtle, ta- you know, mob tie takeover?
1: Yeah, well, you know, like there's nothing worse in the in the world of mob ties, Dan, in like getting out muscled on your own turf. You know what I mean? Like, and and my my uncle Ben, he, he was a bit of an alpha male. You know what I mean? So like, um, he didn't like being embarrassed in his own his own venue so um you know he, he he did a little uh recon to find out who exactly was this person competing with him and when he found out who it was you know he went after him hard so um well who kinda, was it it was this guy uh uh ned uh Osbon or something like that. i don't know whatever it's irrelevant
0: that's a weird it's, name
1: it's it is a it's a very weird name. I'm just making stuff up. No, it's irrelevant because what happened was, you know, Uncle Ben goes to like knock on Ned's door. As he goes into the door, he sees like she's Ned. He's like, "Hey, I heard you're moving in on my turf." And Ned like jumps off and like gets on one of those like little razor scooters, and he just like starts to like pedal away. Like, and my Uncle Ben is like crap i'm i'm in a high-speed chase on a razor scooter so he like grabs one and he starts like pedaling after it and as he's doing it like these like minions are coming in and uncle ben like kicked the guy knocked him against the wall he didn't die though, the the guy you know because uncle ben would never kill
0: yeah i just wanted i i wanted to, to make sure that too you could see the stress that i was having on the other end of the microphone
1: i know right i mean we had to make that clear um so as like these two grown ass men are, are you know on their razor scooters, uh, on uh, you know, Dan, it just makes me mad talking about this. Um, you know they were like they like ended up on like I ninety five in Connecticut, um, busy highway. Really shouldn't be on a razor scooter. But beautiful and, trees. Beautiful trees, and um, you know a, a truck just came and. Hit my Uncle Ben and knocked him off his Razor scooter. And, you know, unfortunately, unlike Uncle Ben, when he kicked the guy off his Razor scooter, I mean, you know, the truck driver really didn't care if he lived or died. I'm very upset. I can barely get through this right now. Um, as my Uncle Ben lay there in the mess of his own blood and organs, uh, he, he, he gurgled out, oh, God, why did I ride a Razor scooter? And with great podcasts must also come Amazing Spider Talk.
0: Who is he addressing that to?
1: To me, I was there.
0: Oh, how convenient. Were you the truck driver?
1: We don't talk about that, Ben.